Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast inspired by the Puritan practice of godly conference or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. I'm Jeremy Lee, and with me today, as always, is Matthew McLaughlin. Hey, Jeremy. Hello. How are you today? Quite well. It's been a long time since we talked last. Yes, it's been <laughs> just, you know, a week on for our <laughs> listeners. You didn't even change your clothes, Matthew. I know. <laughs> what are we gonna do? Like, well, neither did you, so we're on the same boat. Yeah, but I washed them in between, so. <laughs> no. <laughs> so we're happy. To, <laughs> we're happy to have with us again uh, Tim Scott, pastor from Independence, Kentucky, pastor of First Baptist Church there. We introduced him last time, so uh, we're not going to introduce him anymore. So say hi, Tim. Hello. <laughs> Glad you could join us. Uh, we've been talking about spiritual warfare. We've really tried to give an overview in our uh, last episode. Uh, this time we want to dig a little deeper into the details, I think. So, Matthew, is there anything you want to add about our last episode? Just that it's a good overview of the models and the reality that spiritual warfare actually does exist. We've talked about it, but it's I read a Lewis quote where basically what he says is either we completely ignore the reality or we f- are fixated on the reality and that the truth is we have to find the middle ground that it's real, but it's not the answer to everything. Yeah. I think that's the gist of something that Uncle Screwtape was advising Wormwood. They yeah, either so. make the subject doubt the existence of the devil and demons at all or make him overly fascinated with them right yeah so uh, you and got by, the gist right and by, and by the way i i think that i think it's probably one of c.s lewis's greatest books that he ever he ever wrote was uh was screw tape letters yeah and it, it if you're interested in spiritual warfare that that is a good book to read but i would encourage you to listen to an audio version Uh, The audio version I listened to had a guy with a British accent. It's probably Max McLean. No, it wasn't him. It it was an older version. Oh. Um, So it it was, he did very good at sounding like an evil demon. (laughs) (laughs) So it made it much more interesting. I recommend probably almost anything C.S. Lewis wrote, but that one was, it was indeed one of his best. So. Anyways, we'll talk about some more books, I'm sure, as we go through. But So we talked about the reality, the unseen realm, the different models, things like that. We looked at Ephesians 6, where we talked about that there's a real spiritual battle going on and the spiritual weapons that God has equipped us with. In discussing this, you sent us some ideas to talk about. You mentioned that we need to know ourselves. Yeah. Uh, what it what is it that we need to know about ourselves when we're facing spiritual warfare? Yeah. Well, so really, just building off the idea I, I, that we covered in the last podcast, which was <clears throat> we can't go around blaming demons <laughs> for everything. I mean, that's just that's foolish. That's not biblical. Uh, and we we need to know. We we need to know. So when I say know ourselves, I think we need to know two different things. One, 
We need, do need to be aware of, as Paul wrote in Ephesians 6, you know, we need to be aware of the schemes of the devil. So we do need to know where we're weak. We do need to know our, the places of our own weaknesses and frailties. But I would even say when we know, when I say we know, need to know ourselves also, I would even include in that, that we, we need to know our identity in Christ. That is that we are new creations in Christ. As Paul would say, you know, in Romans 6, you know, we don't, don't we have died in Christ. We are dead to our sin. Uh, we don't have to keep doing this. And yet the good news is, is as John writes in first John, that we do have an advocate with the father. If we do sin, right. That's what he says in first John chapter two, uh, verse, uh, I think one and two, where he talks about, you know, I'm writing these things so that you would not sin, but he goes on to say, if any man does sin, we have an advocate with the father of Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And then again, John, uh, first John one is, I think it's eight through 10, you know, it talks about, you know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think part of spiritual warfare then is knowing and, and acknowledging rightly when we have failed and, and our temptations. But also, I think that's that is a that is one scheme of the devil, uh, and maybe even our flesh, to continue to accuse us of past failings of sin. And we don't have to live in, we have to rightly know where we, in our, and acknowledge our sin and confess our sin and repent of our sin. But once we've done that, we are standing in the righteousness of Christ. Like we don't have to keep reliving that shame over and over and over again. Uh, I mean, there may be some consequences from actions that, that come along because of, because of sin, you know, that I'm constantly reminded of, hey, that was a really bad choice. But Living in the shame of that sin, that, that's, that's a misplaced shame. Uh, yes, we have to acknowledge it, repent of it. But once we've done that, we don't have to continue to live in the shame of, hey, I sinned. Acknowledge it. Yes, I sinned. Uh, repent of it. Yes, absolutely. But in reality, I'm new in Christ. I'm a new creation. And I don't have to keep sinning. Like, you know, I, you know whether, you know, you're a new Christian or been, been a Christian for a long period of time, I think that one of the greatest things we know or, or should know is that the beauty of what happened in, in the great exchange of, of salvation and, and knowing not just the great beauty of that, but then knowing that, hey, I don't have to keep sinning. I'm free. Uh, it's maybe a battle to, to, to experience that freedom, but I, uh, like the war has already been won for me. Um, I, I just have to fight in, 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 in the, um, with the weapons of the spiritual weapons Christ has given me to experience that freedom. Right. I, I think you talked about identity in Christ. That's the main thing you were talking about. I think this is one of the cases where Neil Anderson gets, gets something right. Yes. Because uh, I know he emphasizes that a lot. It is important to know our identity in Christ, but it's also important to remember that we're still sinners, yet we are saints. And we need to bo know both of those realities. And I think something that needs clarification, people need to understand, is that before we're Christians, we are uh, totally depraved. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not no saving good in us. Right. But things have changed after we've been regenerated, after we've come to Christ. S there's still sin that remains, but we aren't want what we once were. That's that's why you were talking about you now have the freedom not to sin. Yeah. 
Well, and, you know, depending on what view you take of Romans 7, you take, I guess, maybe the more popular view, you know, Romans 7 would be a a good picture of that, but some people don't. But I I still think we have enough from Scripture, even if you don't go that route. You know, again, Romans 6, I I think, and then even Romans 8 is a beautiful picture of our freedom in Christ that, that yes, while we're still sinners, um, you know, the Spirit has been given to us. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and we are free. But yes, I mean, acknowledging, absolutely. We are still sinners. We're going to sin, but we are freed from the bonds of sin. We're free from slavery to sin. And that segues into the next thing, knowing our enemy. Yeah. And we need to know ourselves. We need to know our enemy. Now, we've already talked about all of these. It should be knowing our enemies because we have more than one. Yeah. Um. Obviously, we spend a lot of time talking about the devil and demons. Yeah. But in addition to that, are just discussing our sinful nature. That that's mm-hmm. another enemy, and then uh, the final enemy is the world. So yeah, briefly talk a little bit, especially about the world, because I think we've covered yeah the other discussion two. about the devil and our flesh. Unless there's anything else you want to add, but no, I mean I think we've covered everything. You know, probably in the previous podcast concerning Satan and demons, and then um, the reality, uh, you know, of not just then but also now. We've been talking about our sin. Uh, so the world system, yeah, the, when it talks about the world, it's talking about the world system and, and the fact that, you know, you know, the world system can oppose um, the Christian life in a lot of different ways. It can oppose it from everything from its culture. And, and truthfully, this is, I mean, this is seen even in our own culture. I mean, you, and truthfully, why we ended up doing away with cable, um, just because you can't even turn on a a television show and, and have commercials pop up and it's, you know, talking to, you know, the army's latest uh, video with, uh, you know, the, the girl that has, you know, was raised by two moms and, uh, or, you know, talking about all kinds of crazy things, you know, so, so, so the world system can, can oppose us in, in a lot of different ways. Some of them more um, subversive than, than others through their, just their constant bombardment of their principles, their worldview, you know, whatever the case may be. And truthfully, this is one of the reasons why, and, and I, I hope this doesn't sound defeatist or, or with, you know, like, like we're trying to hide in a bunker, but it's one of the reasons why um, we're going to be placing our children in Christian, Christian Academy next year is because the world has, uh, you know, I have my 10 year old son came home this past year in fourth grade and was talking about evolution and, and, and millions of years and all this stuff that, that the world is teaching them. And I'm like, you know what, they, you know, they need to be grounded in the word. They're going to be in the world. They will be, but they need to be grounded in the word right now, uh, both in home and in school. And so, you know, the, just through various areas, uh, and that's that's not an advocation of, you know, Christians need to pull out a public school. I know there's a lot of, of vitriol on the um, public me- on social media of for, you know, if you're, if you're sending your kids to, to Caesar, he's going to, you know, make him his and all this other stuff. But anyways, you know, my wife's a public school teacher. So, you know, I, I get it, but um, it's not an option for everyone. But for us, it is an option. The world is going to oppose my children enough when they grow older. Uh, anything I can do now to lessen that, to teach them and ground them is better. So through culture, through through their principles that they're, they're advocating for, you know, um, and, and things like that. I mean, it, it can come in various means. As I said, you know, it can, I mean, some governments you can just actively oppose Christianity. Um, you know, they burn Bibles, they put people in prison, you know, knock down churches like in China. 
Send them to hard labor camps. Send them to hard labor camps like North Korea. They work them to death, you know, places like that. Um, you know, they cut their heads off, uh, you know, in, in the Middle East and some portions of the Middle East. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, so, so you've got everything from the very overt like that to the very subversive, you know, just, just preaching their principles and their truth, which is why as a pastor, it drives me crazy when I have heard parents say, well, I don't want to indoctrinate my children. Like, why not? You, the world is going to do it for you. Like you, they're going to be indoctrinated one way or the other. Either yeah. they're going to be indoctrinated with the truths of the world. Uh, and I use truths in quotes there, or they're, they're going to be indoctrinated with the truth of, of the word of God. They may reject that in the end. I mean, ultimately we know that God is sovereign in salvation and, and, and God's purposes for election will stand. But I mean, it's not going to be because I failed my job as in my job as a parent and as a disciple and as a husband and a father to teach them those truths you know, in the end, it can come from subversive ways or even overt ways. So in essence, the world is, there There are two cities, the city of God, the church, mm-hmm. and the city of man, the world. Yes. Um, and, and the city of God is in constant battle, constant warfare with uh, the city of man or the world. Yeah. And um, I think, just, I think Augustine or Augustine did, did a good job at, at painting that. So just as we're individually involved in spiritual warfare against the devil and his demons and against our own flesh, so corporately we're in a battle against the world as well. So there's a lot more we could say about that, um, but we, we need to move on because of time. So let's, let's talk about some good news. <laughs> uh, let's, let's talk about the Lord. Yeah. How so, does he fit into our battle? Okay. So um, again, going, going back to what we had talked about earlier um, about knowing who we are, identity in Christ. I mean, obviously that identity doesn't come from us. Like we, we have our, we had our identity prior to the, prior to the cross, prior to um, salvation, right? Our identity was um, totally depraved sinners, uh, dead in our trespasses and our sins, um, haters of God, lovers of the world. You know, th- th- that was our identity, but, but because of God, because of Christ, because of, of Christ's work on the cross for us and on our behalf as God's people, right? Like we, we are a, we are redeemed, right? So God did that. God redeemed me. God, I didn't do that. I didn't decide, you know, and not to, not to jump on a, on a side horse, you know, we're not, we, we're not like the, the preacher I once heard say, you know, I'm just glad I was smart enough to become a Christian. Well, that's a bunch <laughs> of foolishness. Um, you know, you know, salvation is monergistic. God did that. God saved me. God was the one who, in, uh, who, who from beginning to end, you know, starts my salvation, finishes my salvation, say, it will sanctify me, glorify me, all of that. And so part of, no, I think one of the best ways to prepare for any type of spiritual warfare is to ground ourselves in the knowledge of God. Um, it is to ground ourselves in who he is, in what he's like, to, to understand his character, to understand his, um, his attributes, to understand everything about him. Because when we do that, we ultimately see sin for what it really is. We see it as rebellion. We see it as treason. Um, we see that we see it in every form of its, of its wicked shape. I think when we understand who God is and how holy God is and how righteous and just God is, we, we are able to then see 
what we're truly up against with, within ourselves, our, our flesh, and then the, against the world, and then against the, the devil as well. I think um, it, it provides us with being able to be discerning when Satan comes to us as an angel of light, you know, and presenting himself in, in that way. And so I think it is imperative that more than knowing who I am in Christ, although that is important, before I can know who I am in Christ, I have to know who Christ is. I have to know um, what he has done. I have to know who God is. I have to know what he's about. And so I, I, would, I would say to, for anyone thinking about this, talking about this, long before you ever dive into any of the, the idea of spiritual warfare, you know, uh, and it's a reality for all of us, um, but before we dive into that topic, I mean, just live in the word, right? Read, read Calvin's Institutes, read some other more accessible, you know, systematic theology, just to help you be grounded in the word of God. Uh, Paul Washer has some, um, some, some great uh, workbooks uh, that uh, I would highly recommend for any believer um, that just walk you through who God is and, and just helps you be grounded in that. So I, I would say, I would say that is the most primary of our weapons is knowing who God is, knowing what he has done, knowing, knowing his, his attributes, um, and, and just be, just, just, just being astounded in an awe of, of who God is. So we're, we're coming back full circle where we began talking about the different models and basically what you're saying is the biggest thing you can do is know the Lord. And the way we do that is through scripture. Mm reading studying mm -hmm. uh, listening to the preaching of the word memorizing god's word meditating on it reading good books that help us to better understand the word uh, listening to podcasts that help people to understand the word and theology mm -hmm. and all those kind of things there there are so many uh, resources available so that you can know god yes um and really that does that does equip you for the spiritual battle. You look like you have something to add, Matthew. I was just going to add that, you know, reading Packers, knowing God is another practical resource to yeah. interact with, to understand who yeah. God is. And the Psalms are a great place to start in the scripture. It, they're just unbelievably good. Right. One of the th techniques you can do is just go through the Psalms and write a biography of God. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, you know, one of the, one of the most helpful things I did in college, and I, I don't know whatever possessed me to do this, uh, um, but one was to go through Isaiah. I was reading through Isaiah and I just started marking the I statements of God uh, and what he, you know, what he promises to do to, for his people, uh, Israel and things like that. And <clears throat> truthfully, I mean, it was, that was probably one of the most productive times in, in my life. And the word was just, going through there, just reminding myself of who God is, of what he is like. And, and so, yeah, so whether it's Psalms or Isaiah or another passage, I mean, absolutely. That I absolutely. I think that's, that's great. That's great advice. I think that one of the reasons why it's so important for us to know God is that if we go back to talk about the world system, one of the schemes is there's so much counterfeit, so many mm -hmm. So much counterfeit about God. So it's back to the old analogy that the way you have a bank teller know what's a counterfeit bill is you spend time handling real money. And I think it's the same thing as we understand God and we spend time understanding who God is. Then when we see these counterfeits, thoughts, or ideas, 
it'll be clearer to us and we won't be so easily distracted or caught up in them, whether yeah. that's the deliverance model or so many other things we can talk about. Well, yeah. And actually it goes to one of the things I think I sent you guys, um, which I'm, I'm positive. I'm pretty sure I've sent you guys was uh, that I want to talk about was just discernment. I, I, that goes directly, Matthew, to, to discernment, the idea of, of the necessity of, of being able to, to know, you know, being able to discern things. I'll, I'll give you a quick example of that. We have one couple who um, has just started attending our congregation. Lovely couple. They're coming out of the NAR, uh, the NAR movement. And to hear some of their, uh, the new apostolic reformation movement and to hear some of their, um, their stories is, is just, I mean, it is beyond mind blowing about the bad theology that they were exposed to in that movement. And it's not just that movement. I don't want to just pick on the new apostolic reformation, but they, they are the most popular, one of the most popular movements right now among Christian denominations. Um, so, um, but, but whether it's NAR or one of the other guys, um, you know, there's just, you're right. There's a lot of bad theology out there that people are being exposed to. Let's shift gears in the last few minutes that we have and talk about strategies to win. Uh, it's not a complete shift of gears because we've been right. talking about knowing God. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I mean, you talk about discernment, uh, so yeah. we need to be discerning. Be to be able to tell the difference between the good and the bad, or the better and the best. In some cases, right. You also mentioned exercising vigilance. Yes. Um, and and in the passage in Ephesians six that we read, one of the things that was stated over and over again was stand. Yes. Uh, obviously, we have the weapons that was meant were mentioned there, but we're supposed to stand as well. So, I know this. I'm putting a lot on your plate now, but we've talked about discernment. What, what about vigilance? What about, what does it mean to stand? What yeah. other ideas can you tell us about how to wage war? Okay. So first let me say this, Paul mentions in his epistles to the, to the Corinthians, he says, be men, be act like men, right? Stand, act like men. And I'm afraid, and I know this is an entirely different, Entirely different uh, thing it could launch us in, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go there. I just want to make a you. statement. Remember, the time's short. So. I know we've got <laughs> we've got a problem of we've got a big problem with feminization in the church, and and what I mean by that is men are men need to be men, and I, I don't mean jerks. I don't mean you know you know patriarchy as as it's as it's often mentioned. Uh, I, I mean you know I mean men. They need to stand. We need to stand up for our families. We need to stand up on behalf of our families. We need to lead them um, in worship. And that's part of the, that's part of the weapons that we've been given is we need to lead them in worship. We need to lead them in truth. We need to lead them in loving the scripture. We need to lead them in prayer. We need to lead them in fasting. And so I know from my own personal experience, when I stand up and I'm saying, and I'm doing, my boys are very quick to come in behind me and say, Hey, you know what, dad? This is what you're doing, so we're going to do it too. And and we, I don't think we can ever underestimate the power of a father's example. Um, and that's not to detract from the mothers. Uh, moms have a, have a great and, and and noble place in the in the home as far as leading and and, and things like that. So um, I'm I'm a complementarian. I'm not a not a not a patriarchy guy. So, uh, I, but but I would say this. I would say, guys, that 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 a lot of that starts with men being men. 
And, um, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, hairy chested, burly men, you know, beating their chests and, and being ridiculous. But I mean, just leading, leading the way that God has called us to lead and, and leading our families to worship and leading them to, to pray and, and all these other things. And so basically, maybe the first way I would say is just lead yourself and then lead your family as, as men. And then I would say that we need to, you know, we do need to have a balanced diet of being in God's word, praying studying, reading good books. Uh, J.C. Ryle, fantastic uh, brother uh, from, from uh, you know, the thing 1800s and uh, wrote a lot on holiness and wrote a lot of things like that. A.W. Pink, I, I think there's some, some other goods. And then there's other good guys out there. John MacArthur, R.C. Sproul. I mean, I, you don't, I don't think, except for the pedo baptism, I, I don't think you could really go too wrong with R.C. Sproul <clears throat> unless you want to start dunking your babies. But, you know, things like that. So I'm reading good books, you know, staying balanced, um, in our in our walk with Christ and being in a church, a biblical, being grounded in a biblical church that loves the Lord and it's going to walk yeah. with you. Um, why do you do this? I think it's because of the individualism of our culture that even though I I think we almost take church for granted. We do. So when you know when we're talking about the means of grace, we're not just talking about the private means of grace prayer and the word we're talking about the corporate means of grace as well where we pray together where we uh, hear the word preached together we sing together we commune around the lord's table together and we just talk and befriend each other those things are so necessary and i mean i think people are more aware of that now after experiencing covid uh, where we couldn't get out of the house and couldn't meet together and just watching church over the computer or on the tv is no replacement for meeting together god knew what he was doing when he when he called us to assemble together it wasn't just a command because he thought it was a cool thing to do it it's essential to us and you're right to emphasize your local church because yeah. that that is a valuable resource. And the reality is you're not going to win the spiritual warfare without it. E- even if you do very well reading the Bible and praying on your own, you're not going to you're not going to be able to stand, as Paul says, without God's people. Yeah, that's right. That's good. That's good, Jeremy. Uh, I would say it is easy for us to take for for granted good churches, people that are in good churches. I think it's easy for us to take advantage uh, or to to maybe miss the importance of that. Um, like you said, hopefully COVID has solved a lot of that. But um, I, I mean, we'll see, I guess. Um, but but I mean, I, I mean, in the end, yeah, I, I think that is that is very all, all I'm saying is it's at least made us aware of what a loss it is not to have church. Well, that's true. Well, and, and so so <laughs> just 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 for example, you know, yesterday after after worship, we had like 16 people in my home, just brothers and, and their families in, in our home, just fellowshipping together, talking about different things. Um, talking about um, talking about the word, talking about the worship, talking about it all, and these are just brothers and their families that you know we just we just have over. We, we try to do that regularly um, to to foster the understanding of the importance of fellowship. So yeah, don't don't ever underestimate the power and, and of the authority of the local church. Right, and I just want to clarify because you know we, Matthew and I have talked about the means of grace a lot, and and because of 
the way evangelicalism is today, everybody will hear that and hear, oh, that's your own private religion. Yeah. And we're we're not advocating that at all. We're advocating that the church should be central to our faith and our private worship, our private devotions are an overflow of the church being central. Yeah. Matthew, what what do you got to add? Just that that's vitally important for us to understand how important the church is to the Christian life how important it is to gather together and the benefits that come from gathering. Just one another benefit for us to talk about is the reality that when I'm around other Christians, they see the schemes that I'm buying into. I might miss them. I might not see it, but they can. And if I've fostered the relationship of a community of believers where they can speak open and honestly into my life, because that's what, scripture calls us to, then I'm less likely to allow that scheme to reap its full destruction. Yeah. Not, not only will there be schemes that you might overlook, you might look overlook we, not just you, Matthew, right. but we might overlook our weaknesses as well. Right. And somebody else will be, may be able to see something that we can't see. Right. No, I, I agree. I mean, you know, I, I know, uh, you know, I, I know in my own personal life, you know, there, there have been times when brothers have had to say, hey, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe you spoke to your wife a little too harshly, you know, uh, maybe you, you know, maybe you didn't weren't quite as gracious as you should have been when you were talking to, you know, your children or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, th- those are those are very imperative. Uh, those are those are imperative times to have. You don't have to worry about that, Tim, because your wife will knock you out, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I, 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 yes. She will. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're we're coming towards the end now. Um, we've talked about a lot. I feel like we just barely scratched the surface in talk in two episodes, two an hour, uh, and we still have have so much that we could cover. Okay. Any final thoughts from either of you before we close? I think w- one thing for us to finish on is well, the last point Tim gave us, and that is maintaining the victory Christ accomplished for us. So as we finish, unless Tim has any other thoughts, if he wants to just explain and express what that means and why it's so important in spiritual warfare to understand the victory Jesus accomplished for us. Yeah. So I think, again, a lot of times we people view, we view as Christians, the idea of we have to fight for our victory. That's like our victory's out there somewhere and we've got to get it. We've got to find it. We've got to, we've, we've got to, uh, we've got to get this. But in, in reality, when we understand the work of Christ on the cross, when we understand correctly, the work of, of the gospel, we understand, and, and this is not new with me, obviously, and it's been around for a long time, but um, the, the old quip or the adage, you know, we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory, um, and that that's ours. I, I, we have that victory. That is ours. Now, again, I, I think I maybe mentioned this earlier, we have to fight uh, maybe to experience that victory, you know, in sanctification, but in the end, that victory is mine in Christ. That victory has already been won for me. Christ is has put that sin to death on the cross. And so I've been given victory over that. And I don't need to somehow think that, you know, I'm my own island to myself and I've got to be out here 
doing this on my own. And um, hopefully Jesus will come along and help me. No, Jesus has already won the victory. You're just, we're fighting from the ground of victory, not, not for that victory. So, um, you know, may, maybe that's, a, maybe that's helpful. I think it's very helpful. Anything else you want to add as we close? Uh, I would simply say, now I have nothing to do with this. I just simply saw this on, if I'm allowed to mention another podcast name on cultish, but um, I saw this and I, I would simply say that there's, um, there's some good, if you're, if you're wanting to dive deeper into this, um, there, there's some good podcasts as well as books um, out there that, that you could continue, that someone could continue to, to read this on. Again, um, R.C. Sproul has some books and then, uh, you know, there, there are some other books out there. You know, if you want to get into the Puritans, there are a few out there. So, so there, there are resources available if you want to get into that. And, 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 you know, so just. Why don't you write a list of your suggestions and uh, we'll include it either in the show notes or we'll put it on a Facebook page. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. Absolutely. All right. Well, th- thanks for joining us until yeah, next time. Thank you time. guys. Appreciate the, appreciate the invite. God bless. So we thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to your questions, your comments, and even that dreaded hate mail at ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship and rate us on whatever podcast app you choose to listen to us on. But for now, we thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, where we strive to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living.